Well, top of the morning to you. Uh, this is our Tuesday key market drivers call for Tuesday, the 28th of March. There's our contact info. As always, we'd love to hear from you. So let's just go ahead and uh, and get after it. Uh, got, a, got quite a few things to talk about this week. Uh, we've got a really big report coming up this Friday. We've kind of talked about that on our calls quite a bit. We get our planning intentions report from the USDA that the market always watches very closely. Uh, we'll also get our March 1 stocks report, which is a very important report to the market. So as we've mentioned before, at least as measured by price volatility the on report day, uh, this is one of the bigger reports to the year. And we'll show you here in just a second when we get to the appropriate slide what the trade is actually looking for. Um, we've had a decent amount, actually more than a decent amount of Chinese corn buying here uh, from the U.S., uh, in the last couple weeks, uh, record amounts or near record amounts. I'll show you that when we get to the appropriate slide as well. But one of the things, you know, with the with the third bullet there, with the soy complex kind of tumbling last week, it it to me is just another example. Uh, and honestly, even after almost 40 years in this business, it never seems to amaze me how quickly market complexions can change. Uh, remember, it wasn't that many weeks ago when it was the soy complex that was kind of the pillar of the, the grains and oilseed complex holding things up. And it was the corn market that was falling on lack of, of uh, really lack of much export demand to speak of. My, how things have changed. The, the Chinese have stepped in and, and kind of uh, buoyed this corn market a bit and the soy complex is tumbling, honestly, for similar reasons that corn was dying on the vine a month or so ago. And that is, we got this great big Brazilian crop uh, coming off getting harvested. Uh, not a surprise that it was going to be a big crop. I've had people say, well, we knew this was going to be a big crop. Why is this surprise the market? It isn't necessarily the crop size. It's the fact that we have this record crop and the Chinese really have not stepped in and started buying it in a big way yet. And that has been the surprise. Uh, we got this big harvest down in uh, Brazil piling up uh, and really kind of nobody to take it. At least that's the way the market is looking at it right now. So uh, we'll show you that, talk about that a little bit. <clears throat> you know, the bank turmoil thing, speaking of quick market complexion changes, uh, that was kind of the hot item the last week or two. It's kind of faded a bit. Um, we haven't had- It's still there. It's still there. We haven't had another shoot a drop uh, really last week, but a lot of people believe that we will see more bank failures and uh, we haven't seen the last one of this yet, but- uh, at least nothing bad has happened in the last five or six or seven trading days. Is that accurate, you think, Scotty? Yeah, I think so. I just think it's not, uh, uh, we, can't, we can't turn around and, and not watch it because it's still oh, out yeah. there. No, I would agree. I, I would agree. And maybe that, you know, the Fed raised rates last week ex as expected, but um, maybe that's a good segue here into um, this next slide. And Scott, you want to kind of take us through that? Uh, the, the bank failures and uh, well, yeah, kind of so try to frame that up. The, the FOMC had met last week and we went up 25 basis points as expected. That takes you to 4.75 to 5.0 for your target interest rate. Um, there's a lot of debate on whether or not we go up again. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, but but back to the whole bank failures thing, um, the, the next big one that we were hearing about was uh, Deutsche Bank, um, which is, you know, I don't know, there's, I'm trying to remember, I was watching some financial show and there's a big 
term they use for for these big big banks that are globally uh, significant and you know kind of back into that whole too big to fail supposedly too big to fail category and obviously the the ones here in the states are Bank of America and Chase Manhattan and 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 that sort of thing anyway Deutsche Bank was was down pretty hard last Friday the other thing was that uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen um, all of a sudden called a meeting of this uh, Financial Stability Oversight Council. The, the funny thing is, you know, that was a big news item on Friday. Oh, my gosh, she called this uh, emergency meeting. But you can't, I'm telling you, you can't find anything about it today. And what came out of that meeting and really what did they talk about? I'll bet you, and this is, again, my opinion, I'll bet you that they're trying to, again, figure out a way or we're figuring out a way to, to continue to prop up First Republic here in the States um, and, you know, what to do to to try to safeguard against any more contagion. Um, so you're right, Dave, it's kind of uh, at a bit of a steady state right now, but it's still out there. Uh, yeah, no. I, I agree with that completely. It's it's it just I I don't think it was a major driver necessarily last week. I think last week it kind of started to fade. I don't think it's at the front of the list this week, but you're absolutely correct. It could be uh, number one with a bullet on the list if uh, if if these if other dominoes start to fall here. Right, right. And then at the bottom of this slide, as you know, uh, we get um, the big report here. Uh, on Friday, and I'll leave that for Dave to talk about. One quick mention for the bottom bullet there is next week on Monday the 3rd, we will get our first uh, uh, national report from USDA. So, so we'll get crop conditions for all of the winter wheat for all of the states, as well as uh, new crop conditions for um, anything else. We'll, we'll get a, a report on corn planting, for instance, um, probably won't get anything on bean planting because I think there's much from planted yet, unless you're in <laughs> no. Louisiana. Will they so. even give us a corn planting progress report next week? Do we have enough in, in I the bet southern you we states? Will. Yep, I bet you we will. I've read that Texas is up around the 20, 25% okay. mark planted already. So I'll bet you we get something on corn. I, okay. I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, bet a big bet on that, but. Right. And this start, this will be the first report that will start kind of the series of weekly Monday afternoon reports that give us all that information, crop progress, yep. planting progress, conditions, blah, 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 that'll run really all the way through, uh, all the way through harvest. So at uh, mm -hmm. any rate, that uh, looking forward to getting that, uh, getting that started on Monday. So let's just jump in here and look at what uh, what the trade is expecting. And you got the stocks numbers at the top. Uh, any quarterly stocks report is a big deal when it comes to market reports. Uh, this is one that kind of honestly gets a little bit overshadowed by the acres. Um, to be honest, my eyes will go to those acreage numbers first. I think most people's will. Uh, but you see the stocks numbers up there at the top. We'll, uh, we'll start to get the reason the March 1 stocks report is important to us. Remember, for the spring planted crops, the crops that we harvest in the fall, this is the second quarterly balancing of the checkbook, if you will allow me to use that analogy. This is the second quarterly stocks report. It is the third quarterly stocks report for the wheat market. Uh, so especially for wheat, we will start to see if it looks like the government kind of has over underestimated last year's crop size. 
uh, because honestly, the demand side of this is a little bit hard to sneak up on. But uh, we could start to get a sniff of that. Uh, we did a couple years ago in the soybean market. We This is the report that we started to get that that notion that, holy smokes, maybe the USDA underestimated the size of last year's bean crop, uh, which turns out they did to nearly record proportions. But that's why the stocks reports are important. But really, all eyes are kind of going to go to these numbers right here, to be honest with you. Uh, bean and corn planting. This is the market expectation, just under 91 million acres uh, of, of corn planted. That's up from a little over 88 and a half last year. So a nice little bounce in corn planted area. Bean planted area also up uh, to a little over 88, about 88 and a quarter million acres. That's up from uh, about three quarters of a million acres from uh, last year's pace. You may ask, why are we going to have more acres of uh, corn and beans? How can you have more of both? Well, there's a couple answers to that question. You can either take acres from somewhere else, which to a degree, it seems like we're going to do, probably going to get a little bit, a good bit out of cotton. You see this big drop in cotton planted area uh, that, the, that the market is kind of looking for here. Uh, the other thing is just you can get it out of uh, um, uh, your prevent plant area. Remember, we had a, had some rough conditions last year, had a historically, not historically high, but higher than normal, if you will, prevent plant area, and we might pick up a few acres out of that. So the trade's looking for a, a pretty good size rebound, though, in corn planted area. Uh, started to read a Karen Braun article this morning in Reuters asking, is, is that going to be the thing that's the surprise? Uh, but I guess we'll see. We, we get... Uh, uh, we often get some big surprises in this report and the market volatility that goes with it. So uh, as I put in the wire, the daily wire yesterday, make sure that your uh, seat belts are fastened low and tight across your lap uh, and your tray tables returned in the upright and locked position here at about 11 o'clock central time uh, for this big report. Uh, this is actually on Friday, not today, but at any rate, there's what the market's looking for. I thought about moving this back to the soy complex, but we left it in the front. We have had this this historic thumping, if you will, that the uh, uh, that the soybean market has taken here. We've been down for 13 consecutive sessions. Um, that actually ended yesterday. Soybeans actually ended the day higher yesterday, which broke the streak here. Uh, but that's the longest losing streak um, uh, in the last 50 years for soybean prices. So. We have had uh, we've had quite the tumble. I think new crop prices down almost nine percent uh, in those those thirteen sessions. So we have uh, we have seen the soybean market taking it hard. Uh, and again, I think the big reason for that, honestly, we have this big Brazilian crop coming off that that has been a known. We've had good weather down there. We knew this crop was a monster. Uh, what we didn't anticipate is that this crop would be coming off largely without a lot of Chinese buying. Now, yes, the Chinese are in buying uh, soybeans, uh, but boy, not nearly to the clip as anticipated. We thought, the market thought, that the Chinese buyer was waiting in the wings. Uh, the Chinese buyer was waiting in the wings for this big crop to come off and that they were gonna need to come to the market and buy it very, very quickly. And boy, they haven't, uh, they really haven't. And that's been the problem. Uh, remember it was a month, month and a half ago, the corn market seemed like it was going down on a near daily and certainly a weekly basis trying to find demand. It seemed to find some Chinese demand. That's what the bean market's doing right now. It's going down looking for where that demand is lurking. So anyway, that's what's going on there. Let's get into the specifics. We had the corn market up a little bit. I mentioned um, uh, we've had quite a bit of Chinese buying. If you look at the bottom bullet in the top section there, since the 14th, 
Uh, China bought, has bought uh, two and three quarter million metric tons. That is through last Friday. I think last week alone, they bought just under two and a half million metric tons. So uh, the Chinese have been after it, uh, to, to, to say the least. It's going to cause uh, analyst community and the USDA to take their corn export number. Uh, honestly, probably uh, a little bit. Now, we've been so far behind on exports. This is why uh, I know I'm going to get asked the question, why do you have exports in the bullish side and you've got still export pace is behind in the bearish side? We were about 40 percent behind last year's export pace on corn before all this happened. Um, this is going to raise the stakes. I think the last set of numbers I saw, I'll show them to you in here. Um, we're only about 30, 32% behind last year's pace out on sales. Uh, but we still got to ship all this corn. And so, in other words, it helps. Um, but corn exports in total are still quite a bit behind where they were last year at this time. So that is probably sufficient. Well, I tell you what, probably good to back up here. We got the Safrina corn crop, as we've mentioned before, we've talked a bit about it. It's largely in, got in a bit late. Some of it got in a bit late, but again, I don't know if that's going to be a problem. We will see <clears throat> what mother nature gives us here in Brazil for weather uh, as we get out into uh, uh, mid, late April. Looking at the wheat market, Scott, why don't you take us through what's going on uh, on the wheat side of things? Yeah, well, uh, Week over week, last Friday, you know, uh, we're starting to see uh, the wheat market kind of um, uh, slow down a little bit. We had been going down pretty dramatically, like everything else. And I think that uh, uh, maybe, uh, certainly the Kansas City portion of the wheat market is saying, hold on now, we're still awfully dry down here. Um, you see there that the Chicago market was down 22 cents. Uh, Kansas City actually went the other direction. They wow. were up 12, and Minneapolis was kind of in the middle. Uh, it's it's a little bit of the you know Goldilocks and the three bears uh, kind of a thing. Um, you, Somebody, you see somebody's there, porridge is not just right. <laughs> well, right. Uh, Minneapolis is just right. They're not going anywhere. We got to wait till we get those acres planted. Um, it, with regard to Chicago, I think the market kind of wants to continue to follow corn down the hill, but there's just no way that Kansas City and those traders really want to uh, go much lower um, with it, with how dry it is. And look at that Kansas City-Chicago spread, which is about, um, you know, give or take $1.60 today. That's the largest we've been in, uh, you know, going on about uh, 12 or 13 years now, uh, second largest in 40 years. The spread for Chicago wheat to corn is is pretty tight so you can't take that spread much lower um and, and uh, it's going to be uh, dependent on what corn does going forward um so th that's kind of the interesting uh, dynamics we're seeing in the in the wheat futures right now uh as far as outside things to talk about um russia reportedly you know were they uh, there, there was a story that came out late last week that uh, there was a chance Russia was going to, uh, you know, limit their exports, and turns out that was not really the case. What they've done is they've come out and said, you know what, we're going to put a floor in for pricing, and they've kind of said uh, we need to have at least 275 to 280 per metric ton. That ensures our farmers can cover their production costs. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how that gets. Uh, uh, push 
through to the marketplace. And then the other thing that happened just yesterday was that Putin had a, you know, a nice hello neighbor call with uh, Erdogan from Turkey. And supposedly they were talking specifically about uh, conditions for extension and how that would look and exactly what Putin wants. Um, and it's pretty, pretty uh, known anyway that his big thing continues to be uh, getting uh, back into the Swiss, SWIFT system for banking. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we've got a ways to go on that yet, but, uh, we'll see where that goes. The last thing is conditions. Um, this is going to be our last kind of, uh, week of just a handful of hard red winter wheat states. You can see there that they were up a little bit, kind of plus or minus, depending on where you go on the whole. I think we were marginally a little bit better last week. Um, but we're still not very good. Um, and remember, we mentioned next week we'll get our national report um, for everything. So, so that's these pretty much what's going Scott, on. These Go are the individual states, uh, uh, probably USDA offices, uh, put these out occasionally as we go through the, uh, the winter months. But next Monday, the difference is the USDA nationwide will start reporting all this. Is that kind of how that works? Yep. Yep. So let's say Kansas has their own USDA office and they have been reporting weekly numbers. They'll simply and they'll probably continue to report them like they always have. But instead of getting it from Kansas, we're going to turn around and get it from Uncle Sam. OK. On next Monday. All right. Well, thank you for that. Let's uh, let's hop off into the uh, the soy complex here. And I think that the, the big message here, I've already talked quite a bit about it. But look at the look at the first off the top line. Uh, you had uh, soybeans lost f over 48 cents a bushel last week. Bean oil was down over four cents. Uh, even soybean meal that has been, you know, uh, perilously close to $500 for quite a while, that has taken quite the tumble uh, in the last couple weeks. And you got a couple things going on here. The fundamental thing, and you've heard me talk, I'll talk about the spec in a second. The spec typically is a market follower. They typically are trading lines on a sheet of paper. They're trading market momentum. And often it's a fundamental market factor that starts the market moving one direction or the other. And quite often the, the spec will jump on the back of that and write it uh, one direction or another. And remember, we've been talking about how incredibly long, uh, first off, the, the, the spec has been soybean oil going back some time. Now they've been selling that off. But even as late as the last time we got a CFTC report, how incredibly long the speculator was. Well, we've got spec selling, as I'm going to show you here in a minute, all the way across the complex. The fundamental thing that kind of tipped this off is what I was talking about earlier uh, with the, the Chinese buyers largely absent while this big harvest is getting uh, really rolling in uh, Brazil. You can see there that uh, soybeans are about 70% harvested in Brazil. So that's the picture that I'm going to paint. And I'll show you that when we get to the uh, CFTC position stuff. But here's the first look. One of the things that, that uh, you know, we've been talking about this this whole last two years with all these renewable diesel plants starting up, the spec has been big, long soybean oil for really quite a while. This is the first time that the spec has actually been a little bit on the short side of the ledger pad. You got to go all the way back here uh, to kind of, you know, those early summer months, uh, spring months of 2020 uh, to find the spec with really any sort of short position whatsoever. So that's been a pretty significant change. And you can see how quickly here uh, the spec has, has uh, liquidated this. Uh, we've been a little bit difficult to see this, as we've mentioned before, 
because the CFTC has been really so far behind in reporting their commitment to traders report. <coughs> I believe, uh, Nate, correct me if I'm wrong here, I believe the CFTC's all the way caught back up as of last Friday, right? That's the way I interpret it, yes. Yeah, that's uh, so any rate, I think we're, yeah, we're at least looking at an accurate they're picture all caught there. Up. Yep. Good. Now we talked about that. Let's get into the Vegual market. Um, remember a few weeks ago, I told you the palm oil market stuck its head up over a thousand bucks. Uh, it was trying to break out. It was trying to, 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 to work this bullish story that came out of the palm oil conference a little bit. And, and the problem that the palm oil market had is it got to a thousand dollars. It turned around and looked to see what other oils were following it. And it found out that there was none. Uh, in fact, palm oil, I think I was reading in the world market, it actually has gotten to a small premium to, to canola and sun oil in some places. And that's just not going to work. Uh, we are getting to those, you know, that's one of the bearish factors I have right here. On the bullish side, stocks fell a little bit in Indonesia in January. Malaysian stocks are forecast to fall to maybe as much as under 2 million metric tons uh, here in a couple of weeks when we get the, uh, the Malaysian palm oil board March production and stocks numbers. That's the bullish side of things. But this is the big thing hanging over the market's head here a little bit. Seasonally, the trees don't produce as much in the winter months. Uh, obviously, we're getting ready to kind of export, uh, exit the winter here. Uh, and I think it's going to be a little bit hard, especially with all the other world veg oils kind of going the opposite direction. It's really going to be hard, I think, in the face of all this to get a real bullish storage end up on palm oil. So palm oil, after trying to exit this 900 and something dollar range to the top side, a handful of weeks ago has actually gotten itself drug out the bottom side of that range right now. Uh, closed last week, the May, the, the May palm oil cash market closed at $895 a ton. So we've had a very, very large turnaround in, in the world veg oil markets and specifically palm oil. Whoop, there we go. Scott, why don't you take us through dairy? Yeah, go ahead and flip to the next slide. The, the, the big news this past week was uh, Feb cold storage, um, and it was a little bit bullish cheese uh, and neutral for butter. You see there, uh, we made just under uh, uh, 1.5 billion pounds. That's uh, one and a half or 1.4 percent less than a year ago, and basically unchanged from uh, last month. In, in actuality, we were we were down 200,000 pounds month over month. Normally in uh, not April. Normally in February, we're growing things, and we have a bit of a build there. You see, our five-year average is 19 million pounds. So it was um, uh, pretty disappointing that we didn't see that that build there, and certainly that uh, is is a bullish input to the marketplace. On the butter side of things, we kind of had a nice month. Uh, it was. Um, uh, 295 million pounds in store. Uh, that's 12.2% up year over year and 11.6 month over month. Uh, 30 million pounds higher, almost 31 million pounds higher month over month. Your five-year average was a little bit bigger than that, but you know that's kind of in line with expectations and uh, not terribly surprising that we're growing stocks in February. Um, but not just not enough to, to really move prices much. Um, and so with that, go to the next slide, and you see here that 
we've got our cheese prices up to 210 uh you know a good wow. 10 or 11 cents higher than what we were a week ago <clears throat> at this time um you know i i think it's interesting to look at that spot premium uh it is uh, or you know it's it's a premium to the rest of the deferred market and the rest of the deferred market is pretty well flat as a pancake um, now, some of the things we we got this past week, as I mentioned, the cold storage, some of the other things going on uh, was this uh, drought or not drought, but the uh, flooding out in California. Um, so perhaps some of that is is uh, weighing on the uh, the front end of this cheese market. Also, last week, I I mentioned the uh, the fresh stocks. Uh, maybe that's having some um, impact on things, too. But. Um, anyway, it's, it's, uh, kind of hanging in there. We, we'd rather like to see it, uh, start to break and we just haven't seen it yet. Um, we're, we being the United States are above the other, um, international pricing points, uh, German Edom, you can see there at 161 and the global dairy trade, even being down 10% last week, uh, uh, still below us a good bit at 184. Um, on butter. Uh, 11 lots traded last week. I thought this was an interesting call out. That's the lowest volume that we've seen year to date in Chicago since 2014. So we're just not getting wow. a lot of that spot butter coming uh, to market. Um, I mentioned the flooding in California. That's a big thing because remember that California uh, is our biggest butter producer. Um, the other thing I, I think to note, uh, maybe a, a bit surprised that it hasn't come to the spot market a little bit more, is the fact that our uh, cream multiples are are rising. Uh, cream's getting a little bit tighter. Those um, ice cream guys and the, uh, the the cream cheese manufacturers are starting to ramp up their production and, and pull on cream uh, a little bit harder. Uh, we started to see that, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks. Well, this week it finally is... Uh, um, hitting the uh, multiples. Uh, we're up to 128 on the multiples versus 124 a week ago. And, and that's about five above the five-year average. So um, lastly, uh, again, we're still the, uh, um, the highest price butter in the world, but you see there that the uh, European prices are kind of catching up to us a little bit. So uh, that's what I know on dairy this week. Well, ice cream season being right around the corner is exciting for multiple reasons. So thank you, Scott. I like ice cream better when it's warmer. <laughs> yeah, Not the I hear ice you, cream, man. but the weather. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. So here's that commitment to traders report. I think there's a couple call outs. The big one is look at the soy complex. Now, 23.9% of open interest on the long side on soybean meal is a still a gigantic number. But that's down from remember about 32% a couple just a couple weeks ago. So uh, look at the selling across the soy complex. Uh, and here's the spec short I was talking about. Tiny, but a small spec short position uh, in soybean oil. So we're washing a lot of money out of this market. The other thing is, you know, even though we had a little bit of spec buying in some of these other markets right now, outside of a pretty good bet on the short side on Chicago wheat, spec doesn't have a lot of money bet. Um, Spec doesn't have a lot of money, money bet, and the direction has been for that money to be uh, coming out of these uh, markets, not going into it. So, also here's the exports. I wanted to show you corn. 
Um, we are still on a shipment basis, still almost 40% behind. We have caught up a little bit, but we're still 34% behind, even after all those sales to China in the last two weeks. So you can kind of see the kind of the bullish and bearish side of this. On the bullish side, holy cow, that's a lot of business in a short period of time. On the bearish side, the, the little bit broader picture from a little bit higher altitude is that we are still trailing the play by quite a bit. So anyway, there's that. And with that, let's let Paige tell us about the weather. Yeah, so this is that past seven day precipitation slide. Um, you can see a lot of the Corn Belt got some pretty decent precipitation. Uh, I know here in Nebraska, we got a uh, lovely surprise snow the other day. So some of this is still in the form of snow. Hopefully we're kind of trending out of that as the calendar is about to roll over to April. Um, but not a whole lot of rain in those winter wheat areas that still need it. Um, if you want to go to the next slide. That's kind of the dome of doom down there in the panhandle, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and this picture kind of paints that even better. Um, they have continued week after week to seem to struggle to get precipitation down there. This is a seven day forecast and obviously not a whole lot in there either. Um, looking at the rest of the Corn Belt again, it <clears> looks like we're going to get some pretty decent precipitation um, across the Corn Belt. I know uh, eastern Nebraska is still a little bit on the dry side, um, so hopefully some of those heavier rains can kind of scoot west a little bit and hit those areas a little bit more. Um, obviously, those winter wheat areas could stand to use significant rain. Scott, at what point has that ship kind of sailed? At what point will it not help? Oh, I, I, I think long way. it's way too early to say that that, that ship has sailed there. Um, the, the, the place where it's going to hurt the most, if, if you want to look at it that way, are going to be acres that um, are abandoned or they plow them under or they've already you know, given up on them. And there's going to be more of that this year than, than what you might uh, 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 normally have. But if you've got the wheat up, and it's germinated, um, it can still, I mean, it, it, it kind of all depends on how the stand looks today. Um, if, if the farmer has already decided that this stinks uh, and, you know, plows it under, uh, well, obviously it's not going to do any, any good. But um, if, it's, if it is up, if it has germinated and it is up, it can it, um, uh, get benefits from that rain all the way uh, into um, into, into May, quite honestly. But, but isn't so, it kind of getting to be showtime? I mean, uh, uh, we need we need April rains. We do. We, we, we absolutely do, especially for, again, those uh, th those far southwest corners of that mm -hmm. of that belt. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what we get from an acreage standpoint again on uh, Friday. Uh, they'll kind of true up those numbers that we already got from January. Um, and, and we'll see, but you're right. It's, it, we're kind of getting to showtime here. Now it's getting to be more a question uh, again, like I mentioned of abandonment. Okay. So we'll kind of, as we roll over into April, really kind of take a better look at how those rains are going so far. The longer term forecasts do not look great. Um, you can see, especially in that six to 10 day, Really, those dry areas, uh, kind of that western edge of Kansas and down into Oklahoma, those are those dry areas that we continue to talk about. In the 6 to 10, it looks like 
they might be a little bit above average uh, temperature wise and actually uh, below average precip, which we know that they have been getting below average precipitation. So that is not overly helpful. Um, overall, again, we still need rains in those dry areas, uh, but really kind of the rest of the Corn Belt is not looking too bad as we kind of get closer to planting. Can we jump to South America? Yes, please. Um, again, Argentine rains are too little too late at this point. So unfortunately, <laughs> that 14-day forecast is not going to be overly helpful. Um, so we're really just kind of focusing on Brazil at this point as a safrina crop, as Dave mentioned, is pretty well planted at this point. Um, that A lot of that, I shouldn't say a lot of that, some of that was planted after the ideal planting window, which theoretically won't cause too many issues if we continue to get um, some good rains uh, that go out kind of beyond the normal rainy season. And so far we're looking pretty good. Both the seven and 14 day have pretty good widespread rains. Um, you could argue that Southern Brazil is maybe looking a little bit drier in the 14 day, but overall Brazil from what I can see is not looking too bad at all. All right. And you know, uh, something that I neglected to mention, I write myself notes and I still forget about it, but uh, as we wind this up here today, um, we will be doing uh, kind of a quick and dirty take uh, our analysis on the big report this Friday. Uh, we will post on our Facebook channel on LinkedIn, or actually on our YouTube channel on Facebook and LinkedIn, we will post uh, how to get there. Uh, we kind of do a beers in the back section. We might uh, just grab a toddy and kind of give a, give you our take anyway on what the USDA told us on uh, Friday's report. So look for that on uh, uh, Friday afternoon at some point. So with that, uh, I guess uh, I will end it as I always do with a plea for feedback. We would love to hear from you. There's our contact info. Uh, and as always, be careful out there.